My counselor helped me recognize this recently in my own life. We were actually headed into a particular difficult doctor's appointment. After 16 years with the same orthopedic surgeon, we were going in to meet someone new. And this, the last orthopedic surgeon my son had had done surgery on him every three to six months for almost 10 years. And honestly, the way he left the hospital for personal reasons, I was pretty angry about it. And some days it's still difficult. He and I had been in the trenches together working to keep my son's spine straight and to keep him healthy for a long time. The closer this appointment came, I was angry, grieving. This abrupt loss was so huge for me. And quite honestly, I was ready to run down anyone who was getting in my way. I was expecting mistakes, bad judgment, and I was ready to fight. Welcome to Take Heart, a podcast about creating space for connection, hope, and joy as a mom to a child with disabilities or special needs. We want you to feel connected and encouraged as we navigate this messy, emotional, joy-filled life together. It's Carrie, and you're listening to episode 142. This month is freestyle, allowing us to choose whatever topic God is laying on our hearts, and I've entitled this episode, Hospital Stay Survival, Spiritually and Practically. Hospital stays are never on a list of things we want to do. They disrupt our lives, interrupt plans, and oftentimes we feel like we're losing time we can't regain. Let's face it, it's difficult on many levels. Today, I want to talk about some things that we can do spiritually and practically to flourish during hospital stays with our kids. My son's very first hospital stay was planned down to the most minute minute and detail. It was the day he was born. He was transferred to a different hospital. And before that, though, it consisted of coordinating two different surgeon schedules in two different hospitals. My son has myelomeningocele or spina bifida. And so he was literally born with an open hole in his back that required immediate surgery to close. And then he had a surgery for a shunt just a few days later. When I was 20 weeks pregnant and we found out the diagnosis, life had thrown us a curveball. And after I mourned deeply, I dealt with it the only way I knew how, and that was control. Deep down, I think my mantra was, okay, God, thanks for the curveball. I got this. I can take it from here now. Control was my armor. Over the past 16 plus years, we have had around 50 hospital stays, a lot planned and a lot unplanned. And as the days approach for a planned surgery, I have found myself withdrawing from other people around me, my kids. Sometimes I literally can't do anything. I can't do housework. I can't. There's just things that I, I'm protecting myself. I'm bracing myself for what's to come. And so I will emotionally withdraw. and. I will also expect all the bad things to happen. So if they don't happen, then I'm not disappointed because I've been disappointed in the past. It's really important to recognize your armor. The types of armor I put on are control, withdrawal, and cynicism. And the problem with those is that I'm not trusting God. Can you relate to that? We're not inviting God into these spaces with us. We're pushing him back into the back corner going, okay, it's my turn to take care of all this. I think sometimes when we're advocating, processing hard information, and making life-changing or life-saving decisions, we feel like it's all on our shoulders and we have to do it all by ourselves. What kind of armor do you tend to wear when your child goes into the hospital? Not all armor is bad. God created our bodies with fight or flight for a reason, survival. 
Sometimes our emotions have to be shut down. I know different parts of our brain shut down in emergency situations in order to make good decisions. But one of the things that I have learned over the years is that it is important that we recognize when we're putting the armor on, eventually it's going to have to come off. We can't continue to wear the armor of control, withdrawal, cynicism. And sometimes we forget to take it off. We have to be careful. My counselor helped me recognize this recently in my own life. We were actually headed into a particular difficult doctor's appointment. After 16 years with the same orthopedic surgeon, we were going in to meet someone new. And this, the last orthopedic surgeon my son had had done surgery on him every three to six months for almost 10 years. And honestly, the way he left the hospital for personal reasons, I was pretty angry about it. And some days it's still difficult. He and I had been in the trenches together working to keep my son's spine straight and to keep him healthy for a long time. The closer this appointment came, I was angry, grieving. This abrupt loss was so huge for me. And quite honestly, I was ready to run down anyone who was getting in my way. I was expecting mistakes, bad judgment, and I was ready to fight. I was processing this the day before this new appointment with the new surgeon with my counselor, and she asked me a disarming question. She said, when you go into your appointment tomorrow, where do you see Jesus? I want to ask you the same question. Where do you see Jesus when you go in for a hospital stay? or an IEP meeting, or therapy, or just even a regular doctor's appointment? Is he standing outside? Is he in the room with you? Where is he? Have you forgotten him? If he is your savior, he is not just with you, he's in you. John 7, 38 and 39b, and this is Jesus speaking, says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of us and he's indwelling us and we have rivers of living water flowing out of us. When I think about water or rivers, I think about what they do. They give life, they revive, they're symbols of power and strength. And that is the Holy Spirit inside of us and we have full access to him. We have to be careful to take him with us and imagine him with us during these times. I want to switch gears here and talk just a little bit practically about unplanned hospital stays. These are the emergency room visits that end up in an admission, the ambulance ride, surgery, sickness. These experiences are really difficult. You're scrambling to adjust a work schedule, finding childcare if you have other children, and doing your best not to have this emergency upend your entire life, even though it does anyway. Here are a few things that I've learned about this rapid turn of events in my own life. First of all, it is okay to live moment by moment and take things one second at a time. Often I pray, God, give me my daily bread. His mercies are new every morning. Lord, just have them pour out on me today in this moment. It's also okay to have your armor on. We've talked about this a little bit earlier. During these admissions, I have often found that I cannot spend a lot of time in deep soul-connecting prayer or deep digs into the Word of God because I would completely fall apart emotionally. In order to do that, my armor would have to come down, and then I can't think, advocate, process, and I really think that's okay. We cannot feel guilty that we cannot study deep theology during these times, 
I think that's why when life is calm, it's really important for us to be digging deep into God's word and seeing who God is in our lives and learning more about him and drawing close to him. I think it's also important to have scripture memorized to draw on or verses that you know to turn to, maybe written on a card, a list of God's promises to carry us through. It's also really great to do breath prayers as we've talked about on this podcast, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. One thing to remember is eventually when you come out of that hospital stay is when, you know, the armor comes off and the grief is going to come. You've experienced loss, loss of time, uh, loss of plans. Sometimes even vacations are interrupted. You've had to reschedule work projects, things that have had to be pushed off. If you are married, you have lost time with your spouse and then you have to reconnect. So important to grieve those losses and to process it with a therapist, counselor, and with God to tell them about how you feel. Lastly, just overall during hospital stays in general, I have found these rhythms and practices have really helped me to flourish during hospital stays. Number one, know your limits. It is okay to have other people stay in the hospital with your child if it's allowed. I know after COVID, sometimes this is not allowed as much, but I will tell you in the early days with my son, we had people around the clock staying with him in the hospital. People from our church, even sometimes people I didn't really know because I was recovering from a C-section. We had two little boys at home. And honestly, it was just really insane. I would leave a notebook in the room for people to leave notes. We had, you could make up a card to educate visitors or, you know, people who are staying with your child about your child, about what is your child's norm and when they need to push the call light and call the nurse. Also, reach out to the hospital chaplains or your own pastors to be there with you. Know your limits. Take an afternoon and go home and get a shower. Um, When my youngest daughter was about nine months old, I was still breastfeeding and Toby had a shunt issue where I ended up staying in the hospital with him for the full three days that he was there. And he was only in the hospital three days for shunt, which is brain surgery and it's crazy, but that's how they do it. And I was pumping. And when I got home, my daughter did not want to have anything to do with me. And I was devastated. I also hit a wall after those three days. There was so much mail and just home stuff to process. And I realized that my limit was that I can't spend more than one, maybe two nights in the hospital in a row by myself. My husband's job is flexible enough that we can take turns. And maybe that's not the case with you. But choose a night where your favorite nurse is there and go home. It's okay to put your phone right by your bed in case something happens, but we have to know our limits. Secondly, consider the question, what do I need in this moment to care for myself to keep going? Practice grounding, going outside for a walk, deep breathing, and doing little things for yourself. And I know this is going to sound really silly, but drink a lot of water The hospital is so dry, the air is so dry, and we get dehydrated and we get sick in the hospital, so we need to take care of ourselves. We were probably about, I don't know, 20 hospital stays into our journey when I realized that some small ways that I could care for myself were to have comfortable things for me. You know how when they call call you for surgery and they say, your child can bring a comfort item. These were my comfort items. My pillow a foam mattress topper if we were going to be in the hospital for more than a few days, and a cotton quilt that I loved, and also my own towels and washcloths. Sometimes it can be really practical 
to have a to-go suitcase packed, just like when you were expecting your baby, packed with things that you might need during a hospital stay. Thirdly, process information by keeping a journal about your stay. Nothing exhausts us more than having to respond to all the texts, messages, and emails about what is going on, especially if you're open to sharing, and maybe you're not, but I was always better to verbally process things with other people. I use the website caringbridge.com to keep family and friends up to date, especially during those first nine years where things were really crazy. Some people might use Facebook or Instagram. One really cool thing about CaringBridge is I was able to download it a few years ago, and now I have a printed copy with journal entries of all of those things. And it's really interesting to go back and read what we went through and see how God was there. It is a testimony to God's grace. And then I didn't have to update everyone. And there were also times when things were really crazy where I would give a trusted friend my password and she would update the CaringBridge site for me. Um, You can keep your journal entries more private by people who only have the link can look at it if you don't want everyone to know. But it's just a really great way to also, it helped me process information through what the doctors were telling me to then tell other people and explain what was going on. And honestly, I felt like it made me a better advocate for my child because I was having to understand what the doctors were telling me before I could teach it to other people. It was so important. Lastly, consider how others can help. More than likely, you're going to hear the question, what do you need? What can I do for you? Think about this when life is calm. So when people ask you, you can tell them, give them your list. Because of this episode, I've actually created a free download for you entitled Hospital Stay Survival. It includes several of the practical things we've talked about with printable scripture cards that have been really encouraging to me when we've had a hospital stay, a list of things that you can pack in that to-go bag, and a card that you can hand to people with ideas of how they can help. Also, some blank notes for hospital communication, and it'll be in a link in our show notes. Lastly, I want to leave you with this encouragement. Even when it doesn't feel like it, God is there. He's with you. I told you just a minute ago that I was recently reading through some of the journal entries I had printed from the early days of our journey from my caring bridge. And we had three boys, three and under, when Toby entered the world. And he spent almost the first three months of his life in the hospital, a month of that in the ICU. And there are times that I will share a little bit of our story with people who didn't know us then, kind of verbally, you know, speak what was happening. And sometimes I look back and I go, I don't know how we survived. I really do not know how we lived through what we lived through. What stuck out to me reading each of those journal entries, each of the times I had quoted a a quick scripture or a verbal reminder that I knew God was with us, God was sustaining us. I'm sure when I typed that out on CaringBridge, I was trying to reassure myself as much as others who were reading it. I know some of you might be familiar with the Footprints poem. And it's probably kind of not in style anymore, but I thought about this poem as I was writing this episode and reading Caringbridge reminded me of this. So keep a journal so you can remember how God has carried you. And I'm going to close it with this. One night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, 
There was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troubled times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, My precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever. During your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. May God continue to show you how he carries you through.